Uh, Ephesians chapter 6, verses 10 through to 12. And it's the verse, the, the, the passage that we've been focusing on for the last uh, few weeks. It says, Finally, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil and heavenly realms. You know, over the last few weeks, we've been thinking about the fact that we are in a battle. You know, sometimes it's very easy to forget that we're in a spiritual battle. Uh, we, we get caught up with material things. We get caught up with uh, so many things, just trying to kind of uh, do life. Um, but we can forget sometimes that we're in a spiritual battle and forget that we have an enemy that is at work. And we've thought about how our battle is not against flesh and blood. You know, it's not about other people primarily, although sometimes that's how the battles can be presented to us. But our battle is against a spiritual enemy. We've thought about how uh, our battle is, is against rulers and authorities and powers, and sometimes the, the powers that be, if I can use that phrase. Um, but behind that, there's a spiritual thing at work, and we need to be continually aware of that. Not just from what's coming into the church from outside, but sometimes what's happening in the church and, and, and the things which are going on inside of us. And so we need to be aware of a spiritual battle. And last week we began to think about uh, who our enemy is. And, you know, if we want to be successful in battle, we need to know who our enemy is. And we need to know what our enemy's schemes are. And we'll think more about that. And we thought about the, the names that our enemy has, Satan, uh, which means uh, which means false accuser or slanderer. So we thought about these things, and I think I've probably got them uh, up on the screen there. And uh, just some, some verses. But we want to think a wee bit today about his history and his characteristics. And it's an expansion of uh, what I was going to share last week. And because we split it up, it's given me more time to can expand on this particular subject. Um, and what I want to focus on first is his fall through pride. Okay, the devil is a created being. He's an angel. He is a created being. And the Bible tells us that he fell from grace through his own pride. And we learn this in a few verses in the scriptures. And I'm going to read one which is in Isaiah chapter 14, verse 12. And it says, How you have fallen from heaven, O morning star. And if you read the King James Version, then it refers to the morning star as Lucifer, which means light bearer. That was his name at one point in time. So, how you have fallen from heaven, O morning star, son of the dawn. You have been cast down to the earth. You who once laid low, laid low the nations. And we can learn from this to be wary of pride in our own hearts. The reason the devil fell to start with was because of pride in his own heart. And so we need to be aware of pride in our own hearts. You know, it's very, very easy, uh, particularly as we get older in the faith, to think that we know everything. And those who get older in the faith will know 
that the more you think you know, the more you realize you've still to learn. But there's a danger that we can become proud and, and, and can allow things to get into our hearts. And there's another little verse in Timothy, which Paul is sharing, which adds to this whole thing about the, the devil falling through pride. And he's talking about a point, he's talking to Timothy about appointing leaders. And he says, the potential leader must not be a recent convert, or he may become conceited, which means to be lifted up with pride. Okay? You've probably seen that in people's body language when they get lifted up with pride. Okay? If you're humble and weak and feeling downcast, you kind of tend to, you know, you tend to kind of like retreat into yourself. But people who are filled with pride, chest goes out, right? And I remember, I remember being like that when I was in the boys' brigade, right? I've been clearing out cupboards this week, and uh, I found all my old boys' brigade stuff, um, and uh, it reminded me of the times where I would stand with my shoes gleaming. All my brass work all polished, the belt polished, the whites were whiter than white. And you're standing there at attention, and you're being inspected. And there was, there was three of us who were always in the running for the inspection medal. And, you know, it was fierce, fierce competition. You're standing there, you know, with your white gloves on, your, your stripes, and you just kind of, you feel this kind of pride. It's like, I have really made an effort here. And that's not necessarily a bad thing. That's a good thing. It's good to be proud uh, in those kind of situations, but there can be a really negative pride that can come into our hearts where we, we feel we're better than other people. But actually, the Bible says that God opposes the proud but lifts up the humble. So for somebody who's aspiring to leadership, then it's probably good not to get into leadership too quickly in case you think, I'm the bee's knees, okay? And it's just something that we need to be aware of. But what Paul is saying here to Timothy, and this is the point I want to bring out, is that if somebody gets lifted up in their heart with pride, then they're in danger of coming under the same judgment as the devil. And it adds light to the verse that we've just read from Isaiah about how the devil was puffed up with pride. And uh, Isaiah, when he says, you've been cast into the earth, you know, it resonates strongly with the words of Jesus to his disciples. Jesus sent his disciples out to go and to reach people and to heal people. And they saw amazing things happen. And they came back and they were so overjoyed at what had been happening. And they said, this is amazing. Even the demons are subject to, even the demons obey us. And Jesus says this, and I think it adds to what we're already talking about here, uh, the devil's fall through pride. Um, he says, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. Jesus is adding to what we understand here about Satan and his origins and, and, and uh, what he's about as a person. And we need to remember that even though we might not see it at the moment, it might not look that way, the devil is a defeated enemy. And what we see in our world is his last attempts to steal and to kill and destroy. He comes to steal and kill and destroy all that God said was good to start with when God created us. There's another passage that I want to just read through. Um, we find it in the book of Ezekiel, and it's chapter 28. And uh, you can read verses 11 through to 19. Um, this passage in Ezekiel talks about the prince 
of uh, Tyre. But then it goes on in this section to talk about the king of Tyre, uh, a place, an actual place in the Bible. And uh, it says in verse 11, Moreover, the word of the Lord came to me, saying, Son of man, take up a lamentation for the king of Tyre. This is the New King James Version I'm reading from. And say to him, Thus says the Lord God, You who were the seal of perfection. This is talking about the devil, bear in mind. It's saying that he was the seal of perfection. When you looked at the devil, he was a perfect being, full of wisdom and perfect in beauty. You were in Eden, the garden of God. Every precious stone uh, was your covering, the sardius, topaz, and diamond, beryl, onyx, and jasper, sapphire, turquoise, and emerald with gold. The workmanship of your timbrels and pipes was prepared for you on the day you were created. You were the anointed cherub who covers. I established you. You were on the holy mountain of God. You walked back and forth in the midst of the fiery stones. You were perfect in your ways from the day you were created until till iniquity was found in you, till sin was found in him. And by the abundance of your trading, you became filled with violence within, and you sinned. Therefore, I cast you as a profane thing out of the mountain of God and destroyed you, O covering cherub, from the midst of the fiery stones. Your heart was lifted up because of your beauty. There's different ways to interpret this passage. But for me, as I read this, I'm quite convinced that it's talking about the devil, a created being, because he was perfect, the seal of perfection. No, no king, no man has ever been the seal of perfection other than Christ. He was perfect, uh, 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 full of wisdom and beauty, and he was there in Eden. And uh, it talks about he, how he was a cherub, but sin got into his heart. And verse 17 there says that his heart was lifted up because of his own beauty. Pride entered his heart. And so we read about this created being who fell through pride. I think this passage is an insight into the devil's origins and his fall. And I think what an incredible being the devil must be, or what he was created to be at least, perfect, wise, beautiful, anointed, privileged, until his heart was lifted up with pride. You know, you think about, you think about the devil as this perfect being and what he would have been capable of doing, what he would have been capable of achieving for good. Just incredible. You think about the very best human being and the best things that they can do. We have achieved and accomplished some incredible things in our society what man is able to achieve through his invention is just incredible. You look at the advances in technology, the advances in medicine, and the things that we've been able to do are just incredible. How much more an angel, a, a perfectly created being, what he's capable of achieving. And as we thought about last week, we as human beings are capable of such wonderful, wonderful things, and yet we're capable of such terrible destruction, not just on a mass scale, but even, even interpersonally, we're able to destroy people. 
The Bible says that the power of life and death is in the tongue. Even just in the things that we say, we can have a, a tremendous, tremendously negative impact on people. How much more a created being who is perfect, who's capable of magnificent things, if you take that the opposite way, you think about the evil that he is capable of and the very depths of that. And for me, I think that's one of the things that we need to remind ourselves of what we see. We're not fighting against flesh and blood, but against spiritual forces of evil and heavenly places. So we thought about his origins and his fall. The Bible tells us also that he is a prince, which means a ruler, a commander, a chief, or a leader. And Jesus refers to the devil as the prince of this world. John chapter 12, verse 31, we're going to read it. It says, Now is the time for judgment on this world. Now the prince of this world will be driven out. And Jesus is talking about the devil and talking about his forces as well. He refers to him as the prince of this world and how he's going to be driven out. If we read this passage in the context of uh, the verses that it's in, what Jesus is saying is that through his death on the cross, he was about to destroy the work of the enemy, the devil. And we sing about this in our worship songs. We've sang it this morning in some of the songs that we were singing. That Jesus has conquered death, hell, and the grave. Satan is a defeated enemy. Listen to this, the, the words from one of the songs that we sing. Who breaks the power of sin and darkness? Whose love is mighty and so much stronger? The king of glory, the king above all kings. He breaks the power of sin and darkness. Us, he breaks it. He has broken it on the cross. We sing that song, Everyone Needs Compassion. Saviour, author of salvation, he rose and conquered the grave. Jesus conquered the grave. Jesus has won the victory for us. And we sing about these things. So, this prince of the world, Jesus is upon him. He is now condemned. And Satan might have thought that he won a victory at the crucifixion, but that victory was short-lived because Jesus rose again on the third day. He rose in power, he rose under the power of God, and he rose and was able to accomplish what we could never have achieved in ourselves. And then we think about the words that John records in the book of Revelation. In chapter 1, verses 17 through to 18, And this is what he says, Do not be afraid. I am the first and the last. I am he who lives and was dead. And behold, I am alive forevermore. Amen. And I have the keys of Hades and of death. Jesus has the keys of hell hell and of death. He has conquered. He has overcome on our behalf. Sin no longer has a hold of us. And it's, it's an incredible thing to get a hold of, is that sin no longer has a hold of us. We think that it does, and therefore we give in to it, but it's been conquered at the cross. Therefore, sin no longer needs to have a hold on us. And then these famous verses, uh, 1 Corinthians 15, is, I really love that chapter in the Bible. 
But verse 55 through to 57 says this, Where, O death, is your victory? Where, O death, is your sting? The sting of death is sin, and the power of sin is the law. But thanks be to God, he gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. This prince of the air, this defeated enemy, has no power. And death in our bodies, this physical death that we will experience, is not the end. And we've thought about that recently. It's not the end. It's a transition into something that is far greater, a different reality. Where, O death, is your sting? Where, O death, it has no sting. The sting of death is sin, but the power of sin is the law. But thanks be to God that he gives us the victory. He has given us the victory. We need to begin to walk in the victory. Reminds me of a song from Sunday school days. And Jesus goes on to speak about the devil. And he says that he will be judged in the future. And he talks about the eternal fire prepared for the devil and his angels. This prince of the air, this angel who is a prince over other angels, it says that the eternal fire is prepared for the devil and his angels. I think we can infer from what Jesus is saying here that the devil's the one in charge of the other angels. He is this prince of the air. The Bible also goes on to tell us he is the God of this age. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 4 talks about the God of this age and how he has blinded the minds of unbelievers so that they cannot see the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. You know, the God of this age has blinded people so that they can't see. This prince of the air, this devil, his purpose is to steal, kill, and destroy. His purpose is to keep people blind to the truth. And I think one of the devil's master strokes in our society has been to make himself invisible. Everything that we see has a rational explanation. All that we are in our physical being is all that there is. We live in a natural world. There is no supernatural. There is no spiritual. This is all there is, and death is the end. And there are no spiritual forces, whether good or evil. And that's where we're coming to in our society. And I think this is the devil's masterstroke, is to make himself invisible. Because if he's invisible, how do you know that you're under attack? You know, if you think about sniper training, as somebody has been thinking about sniper training recently, whose husband uh, has been getting trained, what is a sniper's key tactics, key strengths. What do you think they are? Stealth and concealment. Stealth and concealment. And uh, if our enemy is able to hide himself and attack us from a distance, what chance do we have? And I think this is where uh, this is where the devil is, is succeeding in many ways in our society, is through stealth and concealment. He's making himself invisible. And yet, what we see in our society, as we switch on our TVs, as we read the news, and as we see what's happening in our world, 
as I said before, I can't accept that it's just human beings that are capable of such evil. You know, if the devil can be resigned to this little cartoon figure, if you Google it, you'll see uh, all these little images, you know, little red beings with horns and pitchforks and all this kind of stuff, cartoon characters. And we thought last week about the effect that Hollywood has had, you know, in desensitizing us to evil uh, and to how bad it actually is. His strengths are concealment and stealth. And people who believe in his actual existence are perhaps passed off these days as being just a little bit crazy. Maybe a wee bit eccentric, a wee bit cuckoo, you know, lift doesn't go to the top floor and all that kind of stuff. And look down upon. And, you know, I've, I've read these comments as I've thought about the world that we're living in and the, the, the different perspectives that people have in our world, the naturalist perspective, um, and, and really how people of faith are viewed as, you know, really quite stupid. Um, and that's not the case at all. Um, but one final point that I want to, uh, us to bear in mind is that the, the devil is a deceiver and a liar. And if you've ever read the book The Screwtape Letters uh, by C.S. Lewis, um, in the, the, the opening uh, paragraph of that book, he cautions us as readers of the book. He says, readers are advised to remember that the devil is a liar. Not everything that Screwtape is what he's known as in the book says should be assumed to be true, even from his own angle. It's a fascinating book to read. It's a fictional account, but there's some really interesting insights in that account. The devil is a deceiver and a liar. And while Jesus was talking to the Jews, who referred to themselves as Abraham's children, Jesus said to them this, it's in John 8, 44, You belong to your father, the devil, and you want to carry out your father's desire. Listen to what Jesus says about the devil. I need to put up that verse on the screen. falling behind in my presentation. Back, that's the one. You belong to your father, the devil, and you want to carry out your father's desire. He was a murderer from the beginning, not holding to the truth, for there is no truth in him. When he lies, he speaks his native language, for he is a liar and the father of lies. What a verse. It's quite incredible, isn't it? This is Jesus talking about this devil that we are talking about today. He's saying that the truth isn't in him. When he, when he lies, it's his native language. He's the father of lies. And we see that um, right back at the start of the Bible in Genesis chapter 3, verse 4, where the devil says to Eve, you shall not surely die. Lies. And I think we need to be careful about truth and lies. We need to be careful about what we believe about other people, as we said, um, I think last week I may, maybe mentioned that. We need to be careful about what we believe about other people. The things that somebody says to you about somebody else, there's always a different perspective, and we need to get to the truth. John chapter 14, verse 6, to contrast, talks about Jesus, who was, he described himself as the way, the truth, and the life. So in that sense, he is the exact opposite. And just to 
we're just kind of bringing things to a close uh, to go into the book of Revelation again. Revelation chapter 12 and uh, verse 9. And uh, in many ways, Revelation is, is a difficult book to understand. There's so much in it that's figurative uh, and, and it takes a bit of time to, to read through that. But this description is, is quite clear, I think. It talks about uh, the great dragon, talking about the devil, how he was hurled down, that ancient serpent called the devil, or Satan, who leads the whole world astray. He was hurled to the earth and his angels with him. It's the same thing that's coming through again, although this is talking about a future time. Then I heard a loud voice in heaven say, Now have come the salvation and the power and the kingdom of our God and the authority of our Christ. Listen to this. For the accuser of our brothers, who accuses them before our God day and night, has been hurled down. He is a deceiver, he is a liar, and he is an accuser. And it talks about in verse 11, overcame him by the blood of the Lamb. And just for those who maybe haven't heard this kind of terminology, we sing about lambs in our songs with the Lamb of God, talking about Jesus and the Lamb being a perfect sacrifice, going back into Jewish history, how Jesus became a sacrificial lamb for us. So that's the language that it's using here. So it refers to Christ and specifically his death on the cross for the sin of the world. So they overcame him by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of their testimony. They did not love their lives so much as to shrink from death. Therefore rejoice, you heavens, and you who dwell in them. But woe to the earth and the sea, because the devil has gone down to you. He is filled with fury, because he knows that his time is short. It gives us an insight into this person who we're considering today. Another insight into how dreadful our enemy is not to be underestimated in any way, shape, or form. But we need to remember what the Bible says. I'm going to flick this up on the screen, this verse as well, 1 John 4, 4. It says, You dear children are from God and have overcome them because the one who is in you is greater than he who is in the world. The one who is, great, uh, who is in you is greater than the one who is in the world. And it's talking about the Holy Spirit who lives in us. This is quite an incredible thing, that the Holy Spirit, God himself, lives in us. That's an incredible thing. And the devil is no match for God. He is not his nemesis. He's not his equal but opposite. He is a created but fallen being through his own sin. And from the verses that we've considered this morning, we need to realize that he is the enemy of our souls. Though he is powerful, he is not all-powerful. And though he commands demons as their prince, he is ultimately a defeated enemy. He is a deceiver, he is a liar, and he is an accuser. And sometimes he poses as an angel of light. He is crafty and he is subtle. And the Bible encourages us to be alert, to be aware of the devil and his schemes. Not to be wrestling against flesh and blood. Remember the analogy that we used there. Paul uses this word, pale, which is a Greek term 
which, which is, is a, a Greek form of wrestling where two men are engaged in battle. They're engaged in this wrestling match. They're naked. And we've not to fight that way. We've not to fight without defenses because God has given us spiritual armor, which is what we're going to think about uh, just in the weeks to come. But we're encouraged to be alert, to be aware, to remember that our battle is not against flesh and blood, but against rulers, authorities, and powers, and spiritual forces of wickedness and hell. We're reminded to be strong in the Lord. Not a- we can muster up lots of strength. I don't have a lot of physical strength today because I woke up feeling a bit yucky today. Physical strength in me today. But it's not about my strength. It's about God's strength. Standing in his strength and his mighty power. Not about our resources. And we have to put on the spiritual armor that God has provided for us. We're encouraged to be aware of the devil's schemes. And we'll come on more to think about that. It's not necessarily the type of stuff that I want to be talking about. It's not, we're not kind of coming away feeling inspired and that was like God's really spoken to me and, you know, a word for today type of thing. But we need to really understand what the Bible says about these things because ultimately that's what's behind a lot of the things that we see. That's what's behind a lot of things that are going on. And we need to be alert. We need to have our eyes open to these things and we need to be praying into these things. We need to understand who our enemy is. Not to become overly fascinated with our enemy, but to put him in his place. He is a defeated enemy. It doesn't look that way at the moment, but we know that there's coming a day where Jesus will come back. He'll come back in power and authority, and he will take command over all of these things. And that place, that fiery place that's reserved for the devil and his angels, that's where he'll end up. And he wants to take as many people to that place with him as he can. And we need to pray. His time is short, but so is ours. The Bible tells us that our time is short. The day of opportunity is here. It's today. Let's make the most of the opportunities that God gives us today and in the days that will come this week. Let's be sure about what we believe. Let's be sure about these things. And let's keep them in the forefront of our minds. Let's just pray. And then we're going to come to communion in just a little second. Father, we just thank you for your word. We thank you for the things that we can learn from it. Father, the things that we can learn about our enemy. And Father, it's not necessarily uplifting or encouraging to think about these things. Yet we need to be aware of these things. And so, Father, we pray that you'd help us to really meditate on these things. Uh, Maybe as we go into this week to take some of these passages and to read them and just to meditate on them and to understand what you would say to us. But, Father, we pray that you'd help us in the practicalities. Because it's one thing to know all this stuff in theory. But, Father, it's quite a different thing to know it in practice. It's quite a different thing... uh, when we're in the thick of things, in the thick of a situation, perhaps in an argument, perhaps in some kind of dispute, perhaps in a difficult situation, it can be so easy to see what's right in front of us and not to remember that sometimes there can be a spiritual thing behind it. And so, Father, we pray, help us when we're in the thick of it 
just that, that your Holy Spirit would bring these things back to our mind and that you'd cause us to be alert, to be fully awake in the things that you're saying and doing, but Father, to, to, to maybe see behind what in a situation. And Father, we pray, we pray that you'd help us to, to really follow you and that we are on the, the winning side, that you have won the victory. And Father, we pray that you'd help us to, to remember that, to live in that.